0: Good evening, and welcome to an eleven and one playoff bound edition of the JV Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined, as always, by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob?
1: Nothing. Hope everybody's doing okay out there?
0: Uh, I think everybody's gonna do a lot better after they listen to this. Um, this podcast. This podcast that is. Right? Um, yeah. Welcome everybody to the podcast. We are here for a fun edition. No game coming up this week. as You did secure a buy in the first round of the playoffs as expected. Um, don't forget you can rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. We have a great show for you tonight. We're going to do a, a little bit here at the beginning. We're going to have fun on the Rhode Island game. We'll try to run through that pretty quickly. Not a whole lot to say. Um, I am responsible for the tech issues for the no good, bad, and ugly this week. So uh, this is all we're getting on the wrap up from the Rhode Island game this week.
1: But yeah uh, wordpress got all janky on us yeah, yeah
0: i don't i was thinking about it I'm like, <laughs> i thought i was crazy and then you told me i wasn't and then i thought it's no. like half the internet runs on this damn thing <laughs> like what's going on here
1: it, it got all weird but anyway so, yeah, so anyways. put up with us doing it here we're not gonna
0: write anything we're not trying to play catch up we'll just no speak we're gonna to enjoy it. it's busy
1: busy week for everybody yeah but we'll run through that
0: quickly uh before the holiday and then you are going to have a real thanksgiving treat so we have almost 40 minutes with brian mclaughlin of hero sports uh, if you're listening to this you know who brian is we've had him on a couple times before he is the best in terms of national fcs stuff and we had a lot of fun not only going through the playoffs but also kind of getting a little off track talking about some cool stuff and just really you know i mean this is for the uh this is for the deep you know these are some deep cuts for fcs fans here rob i thought we were talking about Stephen f austin and Schools in Worcester, Mass, and recruiting, trail <laughs> league recruiting. recruiting. Right, right, exactly. So it's pretty great. We really had a fun time with it. Um, as always, we are brought to you by Pale Fire Brewing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. You can go by the tap room anytime, mention the JMU Sports Blog podcast, and get a free pint glass. So a lot of people will be traveling for the holidays. Maybe you're going through Harrisonburg. You'll certainly be down there in two weeks for the playoffs. Don't forget to stop in the tap room and go mention the podcast. Um, picking up some of those this week for the holiday. But just a couple notes. We won't. We're not going to go around anything. Uh, both hoops teams had decent weeks. I think we could say, Rob. That'd be fair, right? Yeah. I mean, as soon as you got win over give up on the team. Yeah. They put together.
1: barely a win. Barely oh, a win. Right. That that was scary because I was following online. I was like putting the kids to bed, so I was doing like the play by play. And it said, you know, you know, JMU wins. What was it eighty to seventy eight? Yeah. And my sister, Megan, was there, and she's texting me, and she's just like, no! They blew it. because like, <laughs> It looked she like they made hit a last like, second right? Yeah. And then, like, two minutes later, she's like, oh, never mind. I guess they waved it off. And then she's asking, she's like, what happened on TV? So that was oh. it, good to get a win. Yep. They blew, like, a 15-point lead with, what's four minutes to go or something? Yeah. It was almost like that Mason game from a couple of years ago yeah. where they just clutched defeat from the jaws of victory.
0: <laughs> yeah. But
1: they got the win and then a decent win against uh, New Hampshire with Banks putting together, you know, a career best. I think he had 21 points. Uh huh. Uh, Zach Jacobs was terrific against ODU. So yep. they're getting contributions. You know, it's, it's, I guess it's a lesson that people like me shouldn't get so worked up over out of conference games. And this is all a slow build to CIA play. Right. Right of the ship after kind of an ugly game, an ugly loss at Mason. And I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It's encouraging.
0: Yeah. So that, yeah, that was good. Um, And the women continue to win. I was really glad to see they played. It looked like a pretty thorough game um, against Liberty. You know, they Mm -hmm. they seem to have control of the game, most of it. And that was good to see uh, for once, them to kind of have a little control over the game flow. Uh, And there's a lot of people out there now that are the sort of, we'll see, they get UVA coming up, but there's some, you know, lofty record projections out there for the Dukes, potentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you start looking around, I saw some people have been definitely the 28 and two, 29 and one, those are not entirely off the table for this team. So um, keep an eye on this women's team. It could be a real special ride. Um, and then the last thing, Rob, I mean, it was disappointing. Obviously men's soccer had a very disappointing end to their season, uh, falling three to one in the tournament. And at the beginning of the tournament, um, uh, to Campbell, who will take on UVA or did take on UVA. I don't know. Yeah, lost, already lost somebody, already lost. yeah. yeah so that was disappointing. And um, the Volley Dukes, women's volleyball, uh, also falling to a really fairly dominant Towson team throughout the CAA uh, season this year uh, in the finals of the CAA tournament. I don't know if there is any particular hope for postseason play for that team.
1: Um, yeah, I don't know. But that, that has become kind of a sneaky good program. Very good. Very good good in terms of the overall JMU landscape. Like that, that's a very good program. Mm -hmm. Very strong senior class. It was disappointing the way it ended, but like you mentioned, Towson was no slouch this year. That was not, that was a tall order to beat him. And um, still a very good season.
0: Yes. And last thing I'll say is uh, the the other little note before we get into four downs from Rhode Island. Rob, we did notice that uh, Rondell Carter and John Docker were both nominated for the Defensive Player of the Year, Buck Buchanan, right? Yeah. Yeah, Buck became uh, Defensive Player of the Year nationally. Today they became finalists for that award. So that's pretty cool to have both of your defensive ends. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun well, to watch. That's going to cost the, them the, the trophy, don't you? are probably going to cost one of like, like, the trophy.
1: But yeah. they're still playing, so it's fine. Who, who's it's, won in the like, – has King Jordan and Arthur Motes both won that? Has anybody else won it for I know Jenny? Motes
0: won it. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. I think those are the only two that I'm aware of. Yeah. I was trying to think if uh, Lazat ever won it. I don't know. Certainly, I don't know. Yeah, I know that Moats won it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so at the same time, it may cost them that award. It also may gain them a different kind of trophy. So we'll see. <laughs> they, they've, they've been monsters, they are really tough to contain. Um, we're, actually, it's going to be funny. You know, we're going to get to see Rondell Carter get to see. Uh, very frustrating. We'll t- get to this in a second, I'm sure. We're, we're going to see Rondell Carter play some defensive tackle, most likely um for, for the first half at least for the first half of the first jamie playoff game with yeah. with the suspension so we'll see what happens um and coach signetti also nominated or was a fi- announced as a finalist for the eddie robinson coach of the year award so that was kind of cool but to
1: no see. no for no for uh, a little ridiculous. Is, i mean yeah he look uh, they're gonna go for the gaudy numbers mm-hmm. that's to be expected um and you're not gonna i don't want to Call out anybody or name anybody who's no. on the list who Newt should be a but, but you look at the, there's there's guys on that list who Newt clearly had a better season, is better, for, yeah. more impactful, I mean, or is
0: a better player
1: than yeah, like, I mean, just like yeah, you can't fault the guy because he only needs to throw eight or nine passes some games because right. the offense is so good, like it's just whatever. Um, but like you said, there, there's another trophy they're playing for, that's great, the individual accolades. But one thing about this coach signetti team is. He doesn't seem too focused on that. It seems very yeah. focused on on the task oh. at hand.
0: Yes, they so, did.
1: so I'd imagine this is all just either motivation or going completely unnoticed by the team as they prepare yep. for the playoffs.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's true. Oh, and uh, Rob, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, I don't know. I, I assume this is a a made up award, but see, Alex Miller nominated for the holder of the year. No, <laughs> sorry. That's awesome. There's now an FCS holder of the year Twitter account that uh. Has decided to put forth like 10 people for holder of the year. Well, I'm on board with that. Oh, I'm so on board with this. I will be fully back in the Rams.
1: That Um, and the Piesman are the only trophies that matter. Yes. Yes.
0: So the FCS holder of the year, Alex Miller, um, Robinson Ram right there. So let's let's go, Alex. So that's awesome. So Rob, four downs from Rhode Island. Anything uh, to start us off for first down here?
1: Well, I guess we should try to keep this quick. So I'm just going to say, what was it? Minus six rushing yards? Yeah, like that's it. That's yep. that's the entire thing. Like I, I understand the caveat that sacks count as negative rushing yards, but I think that actually paints a better picture of how dominant this defense was. Mm-hmm. Um, they had five sacks. I think URI's top URI's top rusher had like 32 yards on what 14, 15 carries. Yeah. Um, Jamie just forced them to air it out, and it didn't matter. Even with those outstanding yep. receivers, uh, yeah. Prior was on his back or being you know, just chased all day. It was,
0: mm-hmm. it
1: was just a crazy, crazy performance. You know, they gave up the two touchdowns defensively, but it was, I don't want to say fluky, but it, uh, and again, Jamie, like didn't lose focus, but there was a moment where the intensity kind of dropped after halftime. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, this, we're doing what we got to do. We got the number two seed. Let's go. And then they just kicked it into the higher again. So it was just, it was crazy that like they have every week, they just get in the backfield and they absolutely wreak havoc. Yeah, um, You can't run against these guys. And now with the pressure they're getting on quarterbacks and, and getting the, improved, the turnovers you're getting the turnovers. I mean, you yep. had a couple really nice interceptions. Um, that one was amazing where it was like two guys could have had it. I think yeah. Smith <laughs> actually come down R- Rashad, know, but yeah, then, like yeah. I think Smith or somebody played it. Like yeah. the coverage has improved. Um, I feel like this D hasn't yet hit its peak and yeah, we're heading to the playoffs. So I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm really excited yeah. about this team and about, just the weak tweak improvement that we saw again.
0: Me too. Yeah. My second down is uh, the running backs. Just wanted to point out. It just, it's awesome to finally see like a fully, fully operational Jawan Hamilton. Yes. The latter part of the season, you know, I think we've all had high hopes for him for a couple of years. And it, it, it's funny because he kind of, he's a different kind of runner. I mean, he's smaller and shiftier, but he much like Cardin Johnson, when he's at full health and sort of full speed and the offense is clicking, it's a sight to see, you know? And I, we felt like that often with Carden, where it was like, he, you know, go a couple, have a couple of games, then be hurt a little bit. And then the team would, somebody else would be hurt on the offensive line. But it's just really fun to watch. I mean, Jawan, what he's doing when he gets that little, um, you know what it is, when he gets to like the right past the linebacker or right at the linebacker. Or gets like seven, eight yards downfield, and there's, and he still hasn't been touched. You the just know it's a touchdown. Yeah. yeah. You just like, he's gone. They're like, he's in a hole, and there's like four guys around him, but not grabbing him. You're like, they're not getting him.
1: I mean, it's what, awesome. what strikes me is I'm sure somebody could prove or disprove this using the tape. And clearly, we're not like tape, but it appears that when he hits the hole, he's already going north south. Like he, mm-hmm. he's decisive, like he sets it up. Mm-hmm. So when he's going through that hole, it's not a lateral movement. It's like mm-hmm. you said, if you don't touch him, he's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. he's just the perfect complement to Percy. Yeah,
2: And, really and we talked
1: is. about how, you know, with the receivers, you've got Poke and Riley are perfect complements, you know, complementary skill sets, and they cause the defense to stretch. He and Percy both have, have very good kind of breakaway speed mm-hmm. at the FCS level, but just very different type of runners that make it prop- – I, I wouldn't want to yeah. try to tackle either one of them. No. They're two totally different ways. You know, Percy's a little, like, shifter he will lower down and go. Juwan just hits the hole, and if you make a bad decision or if you're a step late – yeah, you've got no hope.
0: Nope, and uh, and sh- and special shout out to uh, Eric Curlew as well. Yeah, you know, two in weeks there. in a row, two, two weeks in, in a row. row scored a touchdown, and this one was he he did the bulk of the work on this one. You know, like oh, this wasn't like a, a no, this wasn't garbage a time here running no. over one.
1: <laughs> this was a great run. Yeah, a great run, and that's cool because he's like a redshirt junior.
0: Yeah, or, yep,
1: and he's got a fair amount of DNPs on mm-hmm. on the old resume, but. He's gotten minutes and some PT, in the end, and he's really shown flashes. Like this is a guy you can trust. You can give him the ball. Yep, uh, in absolutely. Game. And, uh, it's uh, that's really cool. When you look yeah. at the depth they have at running back, and Todd, I was actually going through the stats before we before we started oh, yeah. up here. I think last year's JMU team had three 100 yard performances all season. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that oh wow! That one game. Oh, okay. This yep. year at JMU, that they had both Jawan and Percy went for over 100 on Saturday. Seventh time a JMU back has done that. If, if you look at the stats, just yeah. go back to the game by yeah. game. Um, last year, JMU had a lot of talent at the running back position, but I don't know if they just they
0: didn't move, the divvied ball up running, the carries. In the yeah, room.
1: they mm-hmm. just didn't do it this year. It's crazy. I mean, it's like every week you've got mm-hmm. somebody, if not two guys, you know, in that 60 to 80 yard range, For mm-hmm. the past couple weeks, you know, up over 100. And Newt this weekend had what, 80, 81. Yeah, like you, like you mentioned, Curlo had sixty or about there. Like, mm-hmm. it's just a dynamic attack, and um, yeah. I, I think there's probably three or four different guys who, if they needed to, could carry the load.
0: Yeah, oh, I really think that. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah.
1: and some of that is the offensive line has been better, Big opening time. holes, but the entire offense just seems to be in, yeah. The way they use the
0: tight ends, they've really committed to the bigger blocking tight ends. The yeah. way they've, you know, they, they've. I mean, Signetti's done what he said at his opening press conference. Mm-hmm. Right? He said he wanted to be the best rushing team in the nation. And, you know, the stats don't, you know, you get in with some option teams and some quirky conferences and that, you know, it's tough to lead the nation in anything at FCS when you have some weird, so there's some oddities. When out.
1: you're in the CIA. <laughs> right. When you're in
0: the CIA. Right. And, uh, but, but I don't think there's anybody out there that would say they're any, anything but a top five rushing team in the country. You know, I mean, they ran for
1: 394 yards
0: (laughs) exactly, so it's awesome. But yeah, yeah, Rob, what about third down?
1: Well, I was just gonna kind of keep going with where we were on Mm -hmm. this. It's just an insanely efficient offense right now,
0: yeah, it is. You
1: know, to score 55 points, and granted, some of those came on special teams, but Mm -hmm. overall, to have that great of an offensive impact and only need to throw the ball nine times. Nooch was eight for nine. Um, <laughs> I think the, the announcers, which we could do a whole podcast on the announcers and some of their idiosyncrasies, but but at one point they said something along the lines of like, JMU can make a 100 yard field seem much shorter than that. And that's probably the best way to describe it. You know, it's yeah, like, it is. JMU, you, you watch the games and you're like, oh, well, they just had a short field. That's No, they didn't. That was a 70 yard drive, or that was, yeah, it seemed like a short field because the first pass was over the top for 43 yards. <laughs> you know, it's just. Or, or oh yeah well it was quick strike but Hamilton went 80 yards on one play mm-hmm. um, it's just it it's got to be like a coach's dream because we're talking about all these different players and every week you can you can make the case that one person was the standout but it just seems like everybody does their job mm-hmm. you know like to see other receivers running down the field and throwing blocks mm-hmm. um, to see just the way that the like it's Complementary running backs and Mm -hmm. you've got guys kind of working with each other in the beginning of the season. I know people are freaking out like, Oh, Mm -hmm. people are going to, you know, be competition for carries. It seems the total opposite. It just seems like everybody's so bought into this team concept and it's Mm -hmm. really, really obvious on offense when any given week you can have a Denver guy step up and have kind of the eye popping numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I don't know. And a lot of that I think is just signetting, just that like stay focused Keep going. You're all going to get your opportunities, and when you get them, a guy like Eric Curlo going to step up and take advantage of it. Yeah.
2: I don't know.
1: Just it's it's exciting because, as Signetti was very clear about, oh, we're going to lead the league in rushing. I think a lot of us thought that meant, okay, great, but it might be somewhat of like a boring offense. It Mm -hmm. has been anything but.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know exactly, and yep. And then for my fourth down, Rob, I, I just I know we're not going to do looking ahead things this week uh, because we're going to talk to Brian about the playoffs, and looking ahead to that. And there's no game this week. Um, but one concern, they have got to find someone to fill in for the injured Sam Kid on yes. kickoff. It's just mm-hmm. this is a it's a problem. It is a there is a giant siren going off now, and I don't know. I mean, I think Hugh Reed has played or 16. Has seems to be in on some of that. I don't know if there's any, you know, we saw uh, Chuck Wenecki get his first interception this week. There's some sort of, I'm just thinking of guys in that sort of DB, linebacker, backup type crew. Um, but they've really got to find somebody to step up on kickoff to, to go down there and blow up the wedge or blow up the first few blockers, you know. I mean, even if you don't make the tackle, somebody's got to abandon their good sense <laughs> and throw them, hurl, sort of hurl themselves into the play at this point. Because or you Because there's and some start real doing... Olay action going on out there right now. And it's tough to watch. <laughs> yeah, that was that was tough. You know, the, yeah, those returns and, were... Yeah, and look, Rhode Island has some talented kids back there. I'm not, you know, for as bad as they were record-wise. You know, they have some talented skill players. But, come on, that's three or four games in a row since kid went down that this is... It, it's become pretty obvious they're missing that, whatever you call that position, wedge buster, gunner, you know, they, they got to have somebody else make that play. Um, well, it's the only thing
1: you can point to as yeah. being some, something that needs to be short of.
0: Sure. Yeah. Everything else. They, yeah. It'd be hard. You'd really be picking nits anywhere else to complain. But that yeah. one, they are giving up some returns and they are not, you know, they're, they're not letting, they're not keeping people inside the 25 yard line on kickoffs, much less the touchdown they give up this week or whatever. So, yeah, that's a frustration for sure. So, no doubt. With that, Rob, I think we're just going to move on. We're going to bring you guys uh, Brian McLaughlin, and we will be back afterwards for a quick overtime and get everybody out for some turkey, right, Rob? Yeah, let's go. All right, cool. talk to you in a little bit. And welcome back to the JV Sports Blog Podcast. Uh, Todd and Rob here, and we are thrilled to welcome in one of our favorite guests of all, um, the renowned FCS National Coordinator at Hero Sports, uh, the most knowledgeable FCS fan around,
2: um, and, and our friend, Brian McLaughlin. Welcome, Brian. Guys, to the thanks, yeah. thanks for uh, having me on again. Uh, it's always fun to do, so appreciate <laughs> yeah. it.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. Um, for everybody that doesn't, anybody that doesn't know, I don't think that's many people in our audience, Brian. Uh, brian, i can't imagine
1: along, anybody in our audience
0: right, right. would be unaware <laughs> yeah. uh, brian and, is along with sam herder the uh they are the co-hosts of the podcast on hero sports so the bmac and herds fcs podcast on hero sports uh they know as much about this as anyone it's one of our best sources of information for things outside of harrisonburg and the caa so brian um you know, I guess we first not only welcome, but what's your crazy schedule like this week? <laughs> anything that uh, you want
2: to tell people about for the post <clears throat> Well, you know, this week every year is a challenge just because mm-hmm. it's a short week, and it's yeah. impossible to get a hold of people after pretty much tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so, and then on top of that, we have Selection Sunday, which is such a big news day. Yeah, you know, we don't know anything till twelve thirty Eastern time on Sunday. Right. And then we're supposed to turn it around and describe it and everything, and really try to get it done by Tuesday mm-hmm. when we usually have till Thursday. And then on top of that, we have people firing coaches left and right. So oh, it's yeah. just, you know, which is big news. And, and oh, some yeah. of them, by the way, have been a little nutty today. So, you know, you're juggling all that. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I want some time with my kids. This week. Yes. <laughs> you know, well, it's been a while, it's been a yes. long year. So, no. um, yeah, it's crazy.
1: Okay, well on to the bracket. Like um Todd and I were talking about it before you came on. We think this was a pretty fair bracket. I know every yeah. year there's one fan base who's gonna scream and yell. Um I know in the past we've been included in that. Like we thought, oh easier easier ride than Jamie. Like I thought they did an excellent job um kind of breaking everything up, but with and maybe with the great that Nelson and you know, gotten in and the MVC MVFC, maybe SIU. Um, one fewer bid, but what's your overall impression? And and do you think it's a sign of like greater parity or are there just fewer, fewer power conferences dominating this tournament in the bids like they have in the past?
2: Yeah. um, I thought it was the second year in a row of doing a pretty, uh, be honest with you. I mean, Mm -hmm. and and, and here's a couple of reasons. This is something Sam and I talked about this week on our Mm -hmm. podcast. Um, This year to start with, the right thing to do is to have four big sky teams. But no, nobody had ever done that before in mm-hmm. as seeds. Talking about as seeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody had ever had the Coyotes to to do that. It had always been, <laughs> you know, that rare instance, you'd have three from one conference and, you know, we can't do four. Um, right. Well, they did the right thing. Four of them deserve to be there. And then the other thing, you know, when you think about last year, the big question was, should six CAA teams be in? And they should. They should have mm-hmm. been. Yeah. And they were. And that was also unprecedented. So you have to give the committee credit when they deserve it. Two mm-hmm. years ago, they comp- yeah. blew it two years ago with Delaware, of Washington, and uh, Austin P winning eight games was kind of an outsider. But still, you know, mm-hmm. th- it, it, there were things to scream about two years ago there really isn't anything to scream about this year. There's a little bit of a, you know, when it comes to the bubble, you can make an argument for several teams. And mm-hmm. I would have made that argument for Southern Illinois mm-hmm. um, instead of Southeastern Louisiana. But I can see where they're coming from with Southeastern Louisiana also. So, man, it's, 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 to me, it's the second straight year of an A. I think I, I think they've done a good job. I think they've done their homework. Uh, the bubble is really hard. I mean, it, you, there's just so many different. with it, But when you leave out a a seven and four Delaware team two years ago or a seven and four Eastern Washington team two years yeah. ago, that's a that's messed up. Mm-hmm. We haven't yeah. had that. We had we did not have that this year. So. No. Yeah, we said Towson. I mean, they had their chance and they lost. Towson blew it's it. It's hard to really complain when. You lose to Elon in the last game. You Again, know? I, I totally yeah. agree. Yeah, T- Towson's path was very clear. Yep. Um, they hit eight wins. They're a lock. They're not mm-hmm. even a bubble team anymore. They're a lock. But when they threw themselves into a mix, into the mix with, you know, Southern Illinois and, and a couple of the others that were listed as the first four out, mm-hmm. the resume just—I mean, they were listed as part of that four. But I've seen Towson getting in with with the seven and five record. Right. You know, it's, no, I don't think they
1: had any great. Ball. No, they did it to themselves. They, they had did. an opportunity, like you said, to close it out. And um, I think you make a good point, though. Like the nature of the bubble is you can quibble and talk about those last four in or, or first four out, but that's just the nature of how it goes. You got to draw the line somewhere. There, there was nothing egregious this year, right. in my opinion,
2: at least. Right. Second year, yeah. too. I mean, last year, the big discussion topic was Indiana State. But yeah. Indiana State, I think, also played a lower division opponent, if I remember correctly. And you know, I think they were kind of the media darling because, gosh, I mean, they went over yeah. 11 the year before. right? And it was just like Austin P the year before that. Mm-hmm. You know, you you love to reward something like that. But the truth is, you still ultimately got to do the right thing. And, mm-hmm. um, no, it's second straight year. I, I think they, they've they done a great job.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, Yeah, I, I agree yeah.
0: with you. Yeah, Brian, up. Uh, Moving on, thinking about that, the other big controversy last year, at least among our fan base, of course, was Colgate getting the seed over JMU. Now, you know, after everything fell apart with Houston and Colgate did their part in showing they deserved that seed by, yeah. by I'll pay all accounts in the, on the field, um,
2: you know, that was a big deal. But were there any big surprises for you in terms of the seeds this year? Not, ma- not massive. Um, no. when, we, when we were able to take everything into consideration Saturday night, yeah, I had UCA number eight and I got that right. The one thing I screwed up, if I if screwed it up or not, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I didn't I figured and by this time I'm trying to put my I'm yeah. trying to put myself in the committee shoes because I'm trying sure. to project what we're going to see, I think, but what we're going to see based on precedent. Mm-hmm. And I thought South Dakota State would drop out of the ceiling picture based on what's mm-hmm. going on and the injuries. And I thought you and I might get in, okay. and that was my one difference. But I did have Central Arkansas number eight based on you know what we had in front of us. Sure. And if you had told me that three weeks ago, we would have told you you're crazy. But right. you know, it, they're the one team out of the outside the Power Three that I guess you could say did enough. Now I'll tell you, I had people from Nichols in Southeastern Louisiana going, we killed those guys. Because everybody, right. everybody always thinks about it just from their school's perspective sure. and their one game. And it's like, yeah, you did, but you two also lost to teams you had no business losing to. And mm-hmm. they're out of conference. They beat a bowl-bound Western Kentucky team. Mm-hmm. And they scheduled tough, and, and they beat the OVC champions, Austin Peay. Yeah. you know, you add that to being oh, yeah. tied for number one in in your conference, mm-hmm. and being partial Southland champs, and and yep. and hitting the nine win mark, and you start to see why that that why they got the eight seed. But yeah, and really know, having no bad losses, not either. Well, Southeastern East, South Louisiana was pretty bad. In fact, <laughs> oh yeah, no, it, was, it was a terrible uh, score. That, I that just one, meant a it terrible was, score, but it's not a terrible team. No, not yeah, they did Right. I I think like Wofford,
0: some people probably had an argument. Maybe Wofford should get close to a seed. But they had a couple stinkers early in the season to non-playoff teams. They did. Um, You know, Monmouth, I think maybe some people might have thought had an outside chance at a seed. But they didn't really play the competition except for the two games they lost. Yeah. uh, Right. To Montana and the FBS team. Well, they beat Albany.
2: They beat Albany. They beat Albany. To To their credit. But the only problem with Monmouth is they play in the Big South, which is – the seventh best yeah. conference, and you're not—you're yeah. just not going to get a lot of credit for that. I mean, mm-hmm. even though Kennesaw got in, um, you know, it—it's it, a that one's really tough to judge. I thought Mom actually scheduled pretty well out of conference, but
0: they're not—they're
2: mm-hmm. not going yeah. to get a seed at uh, at that level. I think right. you almost have to go. Gosh. 11 and 1 or 12 and 0 in this year, or do what Kennesaw did last year as a senior laden team. You know, remember they beat Jackson State in the finale, Mm -hmm. sure. And JSU was, you know, won the OVC and and right, won a couple games. So, um, yeah, there's just so many balls to juggle with this. That Mm -hmm. I'll tell you the re, I'll tell you this the reason Mm -hmm. Southeastern Louisiana got in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's because they beat the eight seed by t- thirty-four points. That's it, Central Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. And that's, and, and you because once they establish who they like as seeds, then they start to look at resumes based on that. And that's mm-hmm. why Southeastern Louisiana got in ahead of Southern Illinois. I think. Yeah.
1: All right. So, what, what do you got for the best first round game, just from a fan's oh, perspective?
2: God, it's like a tie for first. <laughs> The only one so, I think might get out of control, which is, like, it it, it, Sam differed with me on this, but um, I, I think I think Northern Iowa San Diego, yeah, isn't going to be like a forty point game, but I don't think it'll be competitive past the you know the halftime mark. Mm-hmm. The rest of them, oh my <laughs> gosh! I mean, they're yeah. killer game. They're going to be great football games. Um, yeah, the best one, mm, <laughs> it's tough. Oh. Uh, I'm – there's so many in so many different ways. Like, Nichols – I know. Like, I'm always intrigued when you have one of the – like, the second-tier conferences hosting a, a pretty decent team from, you know, the first three. And I you, we all know who the first three are. Yeah. CAA, Big Sky, Missouri Valley. So you get Seelah and Villanova there, right? Yeah, that one is interesting. Um, Cosimo, Illinois State. Yes, that one, Nichols in North, North Dakota. I mean, yeah, you know when you th- and again when you think about South Southeastern Louisiana, they gave Ole Miss all they wanted into the fourth quarter. That's not a bad team, you mm-hmm. know. That's they're pretty tough, and they they hammered Jacksonville State in the opener. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Villanova may not they may think they want to go down to a seven win South team, <laughs> and and they better not you know take yeah. it to – Villanova won nine games, but uh, they don't have a lot of signature wins. I, man, when I was up in y'all's hometown Mm -hmm. and watched them play JMU, I thought they were pretty tough. Oh, yeah. In that game. But um, that one should be a really interesting game.
0: Yeah. We, uh, Brian, these are two kind of off the topic here. But I mean, that quadrant of the bracket there Mm -hmm. Montana, Weber State, Sela, Villanova, Wofford, Kennesaw, that's a, brutal it That's is. the other that's like sort of the other half of jmu's side yeah i mean that that looks like a gauntlet right there
2: it, it <laughs> is it is There's,
0: yeah like yeah so and then the other thing i was going to ask you that we didn't have on the list today brian was i was just thinking about the bids mm-hmm. today in terms of the first round game you know jmu kind of learned their lesson all the way back in 2011 when they had to go to eastern kentucky in the first round mm-hmm. for under bidding on this game um and they've been pretty fortunate. Either they've been a seed or they've been enough since then. But I was really surprised by which teams are hosting.
2: Yeah, me too. This week. <laughs> were you? Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, that's a big deal. I mean, that certainly Sila and Nichols both hosting. I mean, those D fans must be not happy. They, and, they're um, not. You know, SEMO hosting Illinois State. I, I'd have to think that Illinois State, you know, two weeks ago, we were thinking they were a top five seed maybe, you know. Yeah. And – um Austin P hosting Furman, I, you know, Furman, they're not hurting for dollars usually, no. and then, you know, and then I was surprised that Kennesaw, I, I, you know, I wasn't surprised that Wofford, you know, they have a good tradition of supporting their program, but for sort of all the noise that Kennesaw has made about trying to, you know, be a first rate program. I mean, were any of those really
2: surprising to you? I, the one that surprised me the most yeah. was Monmouth. Which yeah. Okay. That now that, they that one yeah. it's a three thousand attendance average this year. Mm-hmm. You know, and the whole thing's based on first of all, you have to have you have to make a bid of at least thirty thousand, right? Um, much of this is not privy to the public, and no, it's really up to the school if they want to go public. But I, I'll give you an anecdotal take on this, Nichols. Mm-hmm. This will be the third straight year that they host the first round, right? And and you know, um their ad has come out publicly and said that they i want to say they started out in 2017 um by bidding fifty thousand, not really knowing what that would do you know it's a bid right who who knows right 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 and then they upped it apparently they did very well that was when they played um, south dakota if you remember and they had a great game with chris strebler who's in the cfl and and chase warcade is excellent Mm-hmm. And they had a great duel and I think it was like a five point game. Great game. USD won it though.
0: Mm-hmm. But um
2: they made money. They made a good they made a good, you know, good chunk of money off that game. So they I think they said they upped it to eighty last year. Oh wow. And they got San Diego and I think they did well again. And I think he actually said in the local newspaper that uh they may go as high as a hundred because they feel like because they're in the south and the weather yeah. You know it's decent it's yeah. decent if you're in Maine it's so hard you know it's so hard to host a yeah. game based on a bid because you don't yeah. know if you have a yeah. blizzard you don't know if you're gonna get re draw re- a re- thousand re- people. people yeah <clears throat> right yeah. and um so what you're seeing with the Southland teams is they first of all they're all in small towns they're well supported they could draw 10k mm-hmm. probably won't this weekend because yeah, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving always kills it, just like they do with you guys. You know, it kills yeah. the crowd a little. And yeah. <laughs> rivalry week in the SEC. And well, there's that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so yeah. much yeah. going on. <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, so yeah, I was surprised, I, but I think the weather thing or playing in a dome like UNI does that helps. You and I sure. always hosts. Yeah, they notice. draw well. They always host. They draw yeah. well. It's indoors. It, it you know it it helps and. uh, uh, but no, the biggest surprise to me was Mon. Ma They're going to be in New Jersey. They draw three thousand a game. Um, you know, maybe it was just hey, we want to win a game, and they probably knew that if they they were able to bid high enough to host, they were going to get uh, not go on a road on to a CAA team, but they were right. going to get maybe the Patriot champ or the NEC champ, which they can beat yep. and they can win a game. That's what I'm yep. thinking. Yeah. So. Um, But I don't, you know, I wish they released those numbers after the fact. What does it hurt? But they don't. They don't. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense. You'd think they'd do it just, you know, maybe they're trying to
2: keep schools in the dark so they bid more or something. Yeah. It would be nice.
0: At least they didn't make it regional completely this year. I mean, I was glad to see some teams are flying around a little bit. Like, you know, I know that's tough on the schools. It is NCAA. But it's pretty cool to see, you know, Nichols maybe at North Dakota State in the second week. Yeah. Or, you know, Villanova going to Southeast Louisiana. That's kind of cool just to see something a little different.
2: It's probably more out of necessity, though, than them being um, open-minded or anything. (laughs) Yeah, with your four big sky teams. I mean, if you have an odd number of teams up in the Northeast, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But my guess is they – I mean, if you had – like it felt to me like that we were going to have like six to eight – Teams up in the Northeast, the two auto bids from the small leagues,
1: mm-hmm. and then
2: whatever with uh, the CAA, and then Monmouth, which was kind of a new wild card because they've never, yeah, yeah never been an automatic bid team. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys, and and oh. so you know I was thinking half the bracket might be playing up in the Northeast, except <laughs> you know we didn't get quite as many CAA teams as maybe we thought coming into the weekend, and mm-hmm. uh, but gosh. With the big sky getting four seeds, which is the right thing to do, again. Yeah. yeah, it does make it tough. It makes it really tough. Who does San Diego play? Yeah. You know, um, if, if Montana State had lost the brawl, San Diego goes to Bozeman. There's no – everybody knows it, that's what they would have yeah, done. Yeah. yeah, You know, so um, – but there's – God, there's so many variables with it. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, so which seed – which
1: seeded team do you think could be most on upset alert in round two?
2: Gosh, in my bracket, I don't don't have any of them losing. But obviously, I think UCA. I think. Yeah. But the the thing is, Illinois State is so nicked up, Mm -hmm. as we saw when they went to Youngstown, Mm -hmm. that it's kind of like, can they go to Central Arkansas and beat them? I mean, they don't have a quarterback now. I mean, the the two kids that filled in just – I mean, Youngstown's a tough place to play, and they play good defense. But, um, well, they got to go to SEMO first. Yeah, there's and you're right. There's no <laughs> right. there's no guarantee that that even yeah happens. Yeah. Um, I, but you know, look into. I mean, come on, in this in there's no way they lose. There's no way Montana State loses to Albany or or CCSU, right. um, Sac State. Uh, uh-uh. uh um, they're pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Weber State Walford is interesting, but we you know Weaver State. Yeah. Weber State is so good. And, mm-hmm. you know, Montana-Villanova is kind of interesting. Um, Monmouth can't touch JMU and UNI. Um, That's you know, an interesting one.
0: UNI is
2: out to go to states. It stuff. is, but SDSU was already injured at quarterback when they beat the crap out of <laughs> UNI. Yeah, yeah. So yep. what's going to happen when they play again at home? I don't know if that was a style issue or what, but right. I'd go with them. Um, I'd go with Central Arkansas because they're the eight seed. Yeah, having the most chance <laughs>
1: makes sense.
0: Yeah, gotcha. So uh, obviously, what we're you know most concerned about here is uh, we're wondering what you can tell us about Monmouth. And um, you know, is there any? Ch- do you see any chance of Holy Cross upsetting Monmouth? I mean, Monmouth scheduled as you said, they beat Albany, um, they lost to Montana, and they lost an FBS game. Yeah. So not you know, I- they beat the hell out of Kennesaw, and they beat Albany. You know. Beat Albany in close game early in the season. So, but we don't really know a lot about them. So
2: yeah, just, no. You know, what do?
0: You, what can you tell us about them?
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Holy Cross has a chance. I mean, they really do have a chance. Um, they both really had, you know, a brass pair when it came to out of conference scheduling. I mm-hmm. mean, they didn't. They didn't go <laughs> load up on a bunch of cream puffs from you know the the, the lower half of the Patriot or the NEC or something no. like that. Um, they, and and when you're those two teams, you really better not do that. I mean, Monmouth did the right thing because that's why I think people feel like they're more credible. Sure. Um, You know, they, they did, they took Montana to the fourth quarter. They played tough out there in Missoula. Mm -hmm. Um, but Holy Cross beat UNH. That's, Mm -hmm. that's pretty impressive. They beat, they played, they played Navy and Syracuse. Those are you know yeah a p5 and a good navy team yeah that's ballsy you know Mm -hmm. and and they scheduled three ivy league teams so and they didn't you know they beat brown which is not that big a deal but it's still yeah you know holy cross scheduled an ivy league team i mean and then they i think they played harvard and yale and yeah yeah and they yeah they played both they put
1: my dad went holy cross so the harvard game is a big one for that yeah
2: region makes sense Yeah, yeah regionally yeah and and I'll, I'll give you this little nugget on the side. Holy Cross is recruiting like a mofo right now. Oh, but, but, you know, can I interject on yeah. that? Yeah. I, I, I got to talk about this.
1: My family will kill me. Um, <laughs> the, the top recruit that you had ranked in Patriot League, Terrence Spence, uh-huh out of St. Joseph's in New Jersey, that's my cousin's kid. So you've gotten a whole bunch of new fans that article has been going through. My giant Irish Catholic family. If you see many, many clicks, it's largely due to Terrence, his aunts and uncles and cousins that I'm a part of. So that was a big deal. That was going around. But he really is a a talented, talented kid and a smart kid too. Yeah. Had really good grades, smart football player. Part of a great program up there at St. Joseph's State Championship last year. Um, Yeah, they've got... The recruiting, talking to like my cousin about it and everything, they've been very impressed with the coaching
2: staff up there and what they've been able to do on the recruiting trail. They, they, dude, they are, there is something happening there. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I think, uh, you know, we've seen some great Colgate teams, as JMU fans know, um, over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think that'll end. I mean, they, they have cycles at Colgate. They, you know, some year, but it won't be like that in two years. I can promise you. Well, Holy mm-hmm. Cross. I mean, they're going toe to toe with some big boys with the recruiting, and that's why yeah. I think this year could be even if they just fall in the first round. The fact that they scrapped their way to that point to to get into the playoffs and maybe push a Monmouth team that went ten and two, is just a you know a springboard combined with that recruiting because they would they had a good class this spring too, mm-hmm. and. um I can tell you that the our recruiting rankings are not subjective. They they're just based on scholarship offers. And if, if a kid is getting offered, and he's coveted. And Holy Cross beats twelve schools out for this kid. It's that's where the ranking comes from. You know, I'm not. I'm I am I don't watch film. I don't have time to watch a bunch of freaking film. <laughs> you know, I don't, yeah, you don't, know. we don't either. Yeah. You I mean, who, know who does? And and yeah. uh, even the guys that do it for a living don't really do it that great. So. You know, let's go by who's most coveted. And the Holy Cross is up there in the top 20 of the FCS because they're pulling in kids that have FBS offers or they're beating, you know, 10 FCS schools out for a kid. The Holy Cross is down here in the Tampa Bay area. They, I think they got their quarterback from Clearwater right mm. down the street from me. I mean, <laughs> they, they yeah. have reach, you know, it's a yeah. good school. So, um,
1: yeah, so impressive. anyways,
2: but, you know, I picked Monmouth to win. By mm-hmm. seven, but I actually think it'll be a pretty good game and and I really like I like honest, I, I talking yeah. to coach um you know uh coach Callahan up there three weeks ago, I think I did mm-hmm. um this is their best team ever, you know yeah. they started football about twenty five years ago this is their best team ever, and they they moved the ball, they play good yeah they score know, good ball on it yeah. Kenzie Behar and Pete Guerrero have been here since the '90s. I'm telling you, <laughs> I mean, it, they have been around forever, and uh, they're both ballers, and they're still, you know, they're healthy. I, you know, what do they do when they come to Harrisonburg? You know, come on, that's not fair. But it's it just, they're good. They're they're a good, solid, right. top twenty FCS team. There's no question. Yeah, so.
0: Good to hear. So, Brian, one last question. We're not going to put you on the on the spot for a, a pick or anything like that, and uh, we're not going to, We're trying to avoid any discussion of the team up north for a while, <laughs> at least as we get going here. Well, I've already um, made my, my to...
2: picks, man. I'll go on to <laughs> that. No, 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 I know. We've seen them. Yeah, <laughs> okay. no,
0: that's good. Um, but if JMU is going to get back to Frisco, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we're all hoping is that they can make it back. Um, what team, you know, prior to Frisco looking at the bracket, do you think would be their –
2: most difficult hurt. Oh, that's really easy. Weber State. Yeah. period. Weber. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that's exactly what will happen in the semifinals the Saturday before Christmas. I guarantee you. Oh, well, I mean, I have I just, to. Yeah. I cannot see. I, they are. They're way more complete than ninety-eight percent of the FCS. They just are. They are doing it just like JMU and NDSU do. Mm-hmm. And, and it's been like this for three years. I mean, they were in the oh, discussion yeah. last year. Um, of course, Eastern Washington was, you know, badass last year. But mm-hmm. but Weber State is is just such a set program fundamentally. They don't um, – it's not all about explosive uh, passing attacks that you know ultimately a JME or NDSU is going to crush that. These guys are hard-nosed, man. Mm-hmm. And they're really well-coached. Jake – Jay yeah. is i mean he wants to play j m u so bad again, yeah after two years ago. You should have heard him on the on our podcast i mean he <laughs> he knew that he had him he yeah had he did he had yeah he did, they did, they did. Oh, and no. they did it they didn't do it, you know, you know, oh. coming from the side or coming from the back that was all very no. much in your face, doing what you do well and they were trying to do it just a little bit better, just like JMU when they went to NDSU the year before. Mm-hmm, That's, mm-hmm. That, that game is going to be killer, and yeah. it's going to
0: happen. <laughs> well, it's really cool for us because, you know, we miss I, – I, I mean, you probably know this a little bit from talking to so many JMU people and covering everything for so long, but there was a real JMU app state kind of – Oh, yeah. In, you know, out-of-conference rivalry yeah. that had – really developed there in the late 90s and 2000s. And with the t- so many teams that have moved up. And then, you know, I mean, JMU lost the two years that Old Dominion was in the conference, but that could have been a great rivalry. And it's been really just disappointing for fans that we haven't had these sort of uh, a foil. And the yeah. last few years have been really, you know, it's been really fun with North Dakota State. Yeah. But we've only played twice. And this Weaver thing is, yeah, I mean, it's funny now because now they've scheduled a home at home. home. home that I know yeah. and, 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 coming up. I mean, this yeah. could be a real thing, you know, like yeah. across the country, you know, you think of like USC, Notre Dame or, yeah. you know, I mean, th- that makes people really happy when you get those rare kind of cross-sectional rivalries started. And I yeah. know we love messing with NDSU, but it would be really great to see this keep developing with Weber as well.
2: <laughs> and yeah. we all and look, the whole level needs more of this, you know, yeah, we need yeah. a Montana JMU game. We, we mm-hmm. need Delaware to get back to what Delaware is, and we know they'll get there eventually. I, I'm a little mm-hmm. surprised it hadn't happened already, but it's going to. Right. And, and anybody at Delaware who thinks getting rid of Rocco's the answer is stupid. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what he's doing, what he and his staff are doing in recruiting, by the way,
0: is—I
2: mean, it's almost as good as what JMU's doing, and that mm-hmm. is saying something. They're going to be good. They're well coached. We need Delaware to be good. This year we finally have MSU and Montana back. Yep. These are the things that we need to get past having two or three of these and have ten of them. Yeah, ten monsters. Need,
0: I, yeah, we need one of those Texas schools to get back in the mix too. Whether, I mean, I know we make fun
2: of them, but whether it's Sam Houston or Stephen F. Austin Stephen or somebody. Stephen F. Austin. Yeah, I'm calling like, it right now. Yeah. I'm telling <laughs> you, I, I, yeah. I went to Southland Media Days, and one of the best talks I had off the record, Colby Carthell, the new coach. Mm-hmm. And he won a D2 national championship at Texas A&M Commerce. Mm. So this is his first year. He crushed it in recruiting. And, and yeah. talking to him, the thing I loved about him is he's like, look, I have a philosophy about this. This is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to build it with high school kids. The Juco sure. thing doesn't work. And he's no. right. And yep. that's always been the thing about the Southland, the OVC. The JUCO thing is putting bubble gum in a dam,
0: yep. and hoping
2: mm-hmm. it you know blows a pretty bubble. But usually, yeah. it's just going to spill a bunch of water out, and that's yeah. we see it over <laughs> and over again. I mean, Colby, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. And and, yeah. and Colby has it figured out. And I'll bet you in five years mm-hmm. they're a monster because they do have a good fan base. They're in a great place, and Sam Houston's really struggling, you know? Mm -hmm. And and you're right. A Texas team in the FCS should be really good, you would think. Yeah, somebody. Well, we've seen it with uh, California, UC Davis last
0: year and Sac State this year. Yeah. It's kind of cool to see somebody, you know, take that mantle a little bit. No no doubt. And and certainly, welcome back, Montana. We're all glad and annoyed to have their fans back both (laughs) at the same time. (laughs) They do that. Don't it... <laughs> right. yeah, they, they do they? Yeah, they do. they get
1: special breed. Yes, Yeah, they do. yeah. but the majority are good. It's it's a good you know storied storied program. Um, no doubt. There's been some memorable games with JMU. One good, one bad. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. It's that's a place I, I know Sam was out there for the brawl. Sam was that's in Bozeman
2: for the brawl, and yep. um and you know Montana State by the way treated him so well. I mean it was no. he got the meet with choke on Friday, which is unheard of. I don't. Mm-hmm. Even, I don't even know how Sam yeah. did that. I, I don't know if he paid them or <laughs> right. whatever. So, I mean, he got. He sat down with the AD oh, awesome. on Friday. He sat yep. down with Coach Choate on Friday, the day before the brawl. Like, man, right. try doing that with Signetti. Good luck, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to happen. Um, right. No, they were just they were awesome, and uh, they really welcomed us. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, I think, you know, Montana State wants. A national footprint and and they are good enough to have that so they're they're playing like it too now finally so um, they've also
0: they've been a big beneficiary of um they're they're doing a lot of off the field uh stomping of montana the last 10 years i don't know how closely you follow this academic stuff but yeah it's been tough times for montana up there you know for a lot of things that maybe are in or out of their control yeah but montana state has definitely been the like the sort of I don't know, the glitzy program for in-state students to want to go to. It's, oh, it's yeah. a good school. It's a good school.
2: Yeah. I, my my uncle, my dad's twin brother, yeah. was a uh, – he was the commandant of the Air Force ROTC up in Bozeman at Montana State back in the day. And when he retired, he became a communications adjunct professor and, and kind of built through. He's been mm-hmm. – he just retired, been out there about 25, 30 years. And he always said that about the academics just – this yeah. is a good place to go, and there's a lot of people coming from out of state that want to yeah. be there. It's mm-hmm. a good place. It's a good school, you know, and um, that, you know, it, it. But Bozeman's not a massive market. It's not, you know, like Harrisonburg yeah. is a small town, but Richmond's close by. Washington D.C. is close by. Charlotte's not that far away. You know, yeah. you know the the, yeah. the uh, Hampton yeah. Roads. And, yeah, yeah. You know, um, but Bozeman's kind of out there on its own, which fits Montana. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, anyway, Sam had a great trip out there. Definitely. Oh, good. Yeah. Good.
0: Well, JMU fans will, uh, we, we'd be happy just to get the opportunity to host anybody in the semifinals at this point. So if that's Weber again, we'll, we'll be looking forward to a great game. I will tell you, there's a lot of old JMU fans, us included, that would love to get another shot at Montana at home. Yeah. After, that's the, 08, after the 08 semifinal loss from our, our favorite JNU team ever. So, yeah. So we'll see what happens, but Brian, we can't thank you enough for taking the time um, during the holiday week and with everything you've got going on. We, we love your coverage. Thank you. Um, everything you and Sam have been doing is great. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to listen to every week. Appreciate so, that. Big yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's,
2: it's growing. You know, yeah. it's, I can't believe how much it's growing. It's um, the, yeah. the metrics don't lie and it's becoming a real focal point. It's, We've actually, just full disclosure, guys, We it's been so noticeable that that needs to be more of a focus for us that we have pivoted okay. away from trying to publish a million stories a week to let's make this better and better. Let's try to get it better. And we have big plans for next year with it. It's just so it's getting big. So nice. yours is already Too big, long. though, so you guys know <laughs> Now we're, we're well, looking forward to it.
1: Really, not blowing smoke, Brian. But we really appreciate it. And then we speak for all FCS fans out there. Really appreciate what you, Sam, and the here, our sports team, are doing. Um, nice. Elevating the entire subdivision and yeah. helping us, you know, just get smart on other teams. And combined with the scheduling things we were talking about, it's really neat to start following kind of the FCS from a national perspective. And that's largely due to, due to Hero Sports and, and the work you guys are doing.
2: Well, and, and yeah. Hero Sports, our, our management our CEO, uh, all of them, um, look, I can't do this for free. I got a family, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, and so yeah. for them to have faith in this, and that really was, it was the way it was early on uh, because we had shown growth. Okay. For them to have financial faith in that t- tells you everything about them. And, that's, mm-hmm. and then to bring Sam on like they did, I couldn't believe it. I mean, it, it, and so... Yeah. You know, thank them because uh, they're the ones that have to go out and secure the financial backing and take a gamble and see what sticks against the wall. And, you know, I picked the FCS in 15 over the FBS when they said, mm-hmm. hey, what do you want to blog about and make a penny at <laughs> the time? And right. and I said, let's do something that nobody else does except for Craig. Craig does it right. and mm-hmm. does a great job of it. I was it like, does, but, yeah, but yeah. ESPN doesn't try to chase this. You know, um, other entities, I I didn't see it out there and I didn't think anybody would do it quite the way they wanted us to do it in that business model. And it has grown. (laughs) You can, look, we've learned within a year or two, there's a hunger for it. Sure. Um, And they took me off of other stuff. They just said, do this. This seems to be getting some traction there. There must be an interest there and there was. And one of the first schools to really kind of, open the door and say, hey, we're interested in working with you, let's in. And yeah. it just happened to be the year they won the title. <laughs> Good timing. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, Chris Brooks and Kevin Warner and Jeff Bourne and, and Coach Houston, I mean, they all mm-hmm. just said, hey, why would this hurt to, mm-hmm. to talk to these guys? They're just trying to write some stories about our team <laughs> right. and put it on a national platform. And you wouldn't believe what some of the other schools, how they treated me at first. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, who? The GMU right. GM, never looked at it that way. They, they always were like, what is this going to hurt? You right. know, and that's where it has grown to what we're doing now. And uh, now we pretty much don't have any schools treat us like that. I was going to say. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, NDsu's great now. They, they, mm-hmm. they realize what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a problem with a couple of them. I won't name them, but not <laughs> many. Not many. Most of right. them are really great. And that's good. that's the fun thing about it. So good. good well, here. Brian, happy Thanksgiving. Um, yeah.
0: Enjoy the playoffs. Uh, maybe we will talk to you down the line if there's a uh, two week break or three week sure. break again before a JMU game. Yeah, we'll see. And we'll on it. We'll see. Yeah. Oh, plan on it. Yeah. So, man, yeah. Appreciate love that. <laughs>
2: so, thank you so much, Brian. Yeah. Todd and Rob, man. Appreciate you yeah. guys. No problem. Thanks, Brian. All right. Have a good one. See ya.
0: And we're back. Rob, uh, welcome back. LA, we're going to do this rapid fire for overtime tonight. Big thanks again to BMAC for the time. Uh, it means a lot to us. It's a lot of fun having him. I know everybody's going to enjoy that. Rob, you want to wrap up LOL Spiders for us for the season?
1: Yeah, I, I wish I had something funnier to say, but let's just keep this very to the point. Um, right. They lost William & Mary to close yep. the season with a losing record. Yep. And they did it in overtime. By giving up a late touchdown off a fumble. So it was it was like if you had to draw a painful way to lose to you know the the team you played the most, your biggest rival, that would be how you do it. Um mm-hmm. and it's just great. And the best part is like nobody seems to care. Richmond just seems so defeated, their fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like normally this time of year, we get a lot of like poking at us, or we'll say something on Twitter and there's like these annoying Richmond fans will try to like punch back and say things and it's just completely dead. Like it, to see your your biggest rival or your most hated team mm-hmm. in our just their fan base become completely apathetic yeah it's just it just warms the heart it's just so wonderful <laughs> like it's beyond there's no anger it's always, I don't know it's like complacency it's just they're just like just defeated yep um and it's great. I can't think of another fan base that I would rather have that way.
0: no, yeah. see you next year, Richmond <laughs> all, right. all right we're going to do these um i haven't thought i didn't put any real thought into these rob but we'll do I, this I put no quickly into these, um yeah thanksgiving what is your favorite dish at thanksgiving favorite like, like overall yeah, I mean, side dish i mean i don't know if you're turkey i mean you, you could say turkey and a side if you want to but
1: well I, I i'm more i actually love turkey okay the rest of my family doesn't no, like I, it. they just I, put up with yeah, it yeah, because that's that's what it's what not
0: i it. can take it or leave it yeah so
1: yeah i love it I, i'm a big Master potatoes guy okay yeah. yep um, that's something we make every year mm. to bring to get Sam now does it. My oldest who's 11 mm-hmm. and it's the version he does is arguably more butter than mashed potatoes, <laughs> which is good. I mean, For it's man. literally, yeah. it's like two sticks. The
0: Paula um, Dean of mashed potatoes. Yeah, yeah. It's great. It's great. Yeah.
1: And the the trick we found is to melt all the butter before incorporating it. Oh. So it's really yeah. But I'm not kidding. He uses like two sticks of butter <laughs> and a bunch of cream. Good man. Sam. And it, everybody always raves like these are the best ever. And we're like, oh yeah. they're just you know a little something. Yeah. So it, they're like the unhealthiest thing <laughs> on earth, but they're delicious.
0: I love it. What about you? Um, I, I'm I'm a pumpkin pie guy. So I, I know yeah. that's an easy thing. I, I don't. There's nothing that like I mean I I don't eat stuffing or any other time of the year. I don't think. And and I do. Well, like, who does? Right. And I do kind of enjoy it. But it's not something I would otherwise eat. I mean, I wouldn't choose to eat it any other time of the year, I don't think. So, yeah, I love pumpkin pie um, for as anti-pumpkin beer as I am. Um, my mom actually does a pumpkin ice cream pie. That's always been one of my favorites. So, Ooh. yeah.
1: Did you see the guy at the Bears game the other day who snuck in an entire pumpkin pie? Good man. And can of whipped cream? <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know how you get that through security nowadays, yeah. but God bless him. There me. you go. So, all right. What, what about your, your best Thanksgiving drink?
0: Uh, I, I think, huh. uh um anything with bourbon probably I, I i don't have a good drink this year i do like this year's batch of uh sierra celebration did get to try that mm. last weekend so i haven't had it yet this okay year, so that typically is very good yeah so that that'll probably i got i'm doing you know multiple multiple stops for thanksgiving this year again so I'm going to have to bide my time a little bit before the bourbon.
1: So wow, it's, it's, yeah. For me, it's always the sit home, get everybody to bed, get back from yeah, it, wherever exactly. you are, and then have a nice exactly. bourbon meet. But yeah. I'm going to go way off the board okay. For me, my favorite drink at Thanksgiving is the Martinelli sparkling cider. Oh,
0: yes. The kids love just, it. Yeah. yeah, kids you love mean, it. Would like you ever just get grew that? up drinking yeah. it.
1: Yeah. And I really, really actually like, like it. it. I think it's, it's easier to drink mm-hmm. um, with a big meal. I like the bubbles, and I don't need to drink champagne all day, so... Um, I don't know. Obviously, I'm always a beer guy. Love that's beer my beer. hard thing. It's for me on a Thanksgiving, guy, it's the sparkling cider.
0: Yeah, it's it's a little just bit too hard. much. Yeah, the beer's too much. Like you get the calories everywhere else. That yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So sweetness. I love the bubbles, and it's right. just I don't
1: know. I've, I've been having it for as long as I can remember, and my kids look forward to it every year. Grandma, so.
0: Nice, Rob. You got any? Uh, you got uh, any Thanksgiving disasters in your uh, track record there? i not like a
1: huge disaster. Yeah, other yeah. than to say like plus 20 mile per hour gusts equals a very late dinner. <laughs> like, we, we, we hosted when Jess was pregnant with Sam, yeah. and we were going to fry a turkey, and then there was, like, a complete debacle where <laughs> somebody was bringing over the turkey fryer, and they forgot the thermometer, so my mom and I had to run out to the store and try to find a thermometer for the oil. They finally did it, and they are like, these massive wind gusts, and the stupid turkey fryer kept, like, the burner, you know, those like turkey fryer burners that mm-hmm. are, like, Eighteen thousand btus yes the, the wind was so strong it kept blowing that thing out it's oh. like we'd go outside we'd turn, turn it on and you're not supposed to leave but of course i would leave because I'd right forward. right and just back and forth so it was like you know fits and starts i had to redo it like five times get it right. going um, but it was good when you finally do it i will say you know risking your whole life and home and everything to fry a turkey mm-hmm. basically these videos that are going around today about the houses going up yes it's you were very friends. close to that. Yeah, yeah, but it is worth it. It is, it is oh, really, it's a really great tasty. To do it. Yeah, it, yeah. Is. it is. It's a tasty
0: bird. Yeah. What about you? I haven't had those in a while. I will say this. Um, I'll try to protect the innocent in this one. But um, one of my family members, their mother and father-in-law told them the night before Thanksgiving um, in a very private moment that um, they were splitting up after... Whew, thirty five plus years of marriage <laughs> and that's, they asked nice their, to do it, and they asked their children um, not to share that with the rest of our extended family, myself and my parents and some other people included um, d- because they wanted to just get through Thanksgiving. you know let's just all go tomorrow, we'll get through Thanksgiving, and then we'll talk about it later in the weekend. well, of course, my brother. <laughs> And his wife promptly proceeded to tell me, the first thing Thanksgiving morning, "Hey, you got to know this is going on. This, it's going to be awkward. Here's what." So everyone, uh, like more than awkward, Jeez. oh, super awkward. So like, there's 20 people in the house, that 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 these two are who are there, that this has happened. Except the two of them think that everyone doesn't know, and everyone spends the entire day like. Trying not to laugh as both of both of them like mutter angry things under their breath and like storm outside. <laughs> like it was oh uh, it's just most like awkward. Horrendous. That's like a
1: curb your enthusiasm. Episode. Oh it was
0: like a full on just oh as you can't make that up. I mean people are outside like way drinking too much because they can't handle being inside like dealing with this. Am I like, um yes, it's it's just oh Boy, I. You could go into it more, but it's not appropriate for podcasting. But no. I, I don't announce to your don't try to get your family to go along with something horrible. If no. it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Yeah, that's Sometimes terrible. your life falls apart on the Fourth of July, and that's what you got to go with. Yeah, just but, roll with it. But yeah, just spare everybody it. else. Yes. Know. Oh boy, that was really fantastic.
1: So, should we say something we're thankful for? Yes, something we we're on a high note. Hmm. Well, now, since it's my idea, you got to go first while I try to think of something.
0: Okay, well, then I will, I will go with a the JMU themed I had one more thought. Yeah, we'll um, we'll on J- yeah, JMU yeah. themed so I, I, We don't we need don't, it all sappy. No, look, Brian, we're going to, Rob, you and I, we're going to wait until we see what happens in this Monmouth Holy Cross game to, and what happens this weekend before. Next week, we'll have plenty of time to dive into the bracket and JMU's path and everything else in this. Um, but I'm really thankful for JMU's path in this bracket. Um, I know there's a lot of people. You know, yeah, NDSU probably has a marginally easier road, maybe even a sizably easier road. They're the number one seed. They're undefeated. They probably deserve it. Um, The one thing I like on JMU's side of the bracket is there are no – I don't see any teams on JMU's side of the bracket that are like – you could maybe argue Villanova, but there's no like teams that sling it around. Like the one weakness JMU's had a little bit, we saw it this week with Rhode Island, is teams that can really throw and South Dakota State is playing a freshman quarterback. Um, North, Northern Iowa doesn't score at all. Um, Weber State is a defensive team. They're an all-around team, but a fairly defensive team. Uh, you know, even Montana, who can throw it around, has also gotten their tail kicked the couple of times they've played in big games, including this week's Montana State. So I, I was kind of glad just not to see, like, Sacramento State, Montana State, couple of those teams that really throw it around um, on JMU's side of the bracket. That's all.
1: Yeah, it's kind of an old school thing. Like, it's it's certainly a throwback sort of college football thing. If if you're a run-first team,
0: you're going to struggle to score on JMU. It's sort of the way I look at it.
1: Yeah, and it is funny that when you look at, like, how college football offenses in general have evolved, Mm -hmm. it seems like it's a little different in the FCS because you have these cold-weather playoff games.
0: You do, yeah.
1: You know, where, like, it's fun, everyone's – different versions of the spread offense or slinging around but Mm -hmm. you tend to see the teams that can just execute the basics and run the ball and stop the run Mm -hmm. have great success in the playoffs Mm -hmm. a lot of that due to weather and everything else so So that'll be my JMU related one
0: i'll do one more how about you rob
1: okay JMU related one um i i I don't know how to really say this like i'm happy there's i don't want to say narratives but there's fun games to look forward to no matter how it shakes out yes you know like the montana situation the weaver state um so it's not so much like narratives like oh let's break it down but like we've got a little something on the line we've got a little bit of history with a lot of these teams
0: sure do and that's
1: fun even if it's uh,
0: holy cross and we get a Patriots coming team coming back after last year
1: there's a lot of fun ways to look at this bracket um in years past like yeah but uni like yeah and i'll admit like before jamie played weaver state and south dakota state what, two years ago yeah i didn't really know much about them nope um, i now realize that was an error on me yeah but now i'm like wow this was a really good team those were two amazing games yeah it would be so fantastic to run it back or to run yep. it back against montana, montana. um Sorry, it's just cool like yeah. it's, we've always wanted something we talked about with brian you know we've always wanted these rivalries or the intersectional rivalries in mm-hmm. particular beyond ca it's cool that any number of ways it could kind of lead to more of that going forward, particularly with the Weber state home and home, goodness gracious. Like if we get to another, like,
0: yeah, they're willing, playing see the semis again,
1: semis oh, again. And then you got the home and home, like that has the potential just to be a really, really big game, not just for Weber, but CS fans all over. Uh, yeah. A rematch with South Dakota state, a rematch with Montana. Like these are mm-hmm. big kind of heavyweight programs that have a chance to face off with it all on the line. And that's just exciting as a football fan. And I'm thankful for that. Um, At that level, but then as a JMU fan, absolutely. Like, there's no easy outs at all in this bracket. No, I'm not saying I'm happy about that. Like, we potentially could have some really, really great football games, and whoever ends up winning this thing is is going to earn it. And I'm happy Mm JMU is in a position. I'm so happy JMU is at home because it makes a world of difference. But I don't know. I'm I'm very thankful that this bracket gives the opportunity to play some pretty fantastic games and maybe start or rekindle some some serious rivalries.
0: Yeah, And Rob, I don't mean to get all conspiracy theory about this, but I did notice the December 7th JMU is the very first game of the round of 16, the 1 p.m. Eastern mm-hmm. game. And the second game is the South Dakota State versus the winner of I San Diego at 2 mm-hmm. p.m. Eastern. Um, and then everything else is after that, that date. There's no earlier games than three. They go all the way up to 9 p.m. Eastern, all the way out West. Um, I was just wondering if a potential JMU SDSU quarterfinal game could be more likely on friday the 13th instead of saturday um that there's one primetime game on that friday
1: oh yeah with them earlier you, with mm-hmm. them
0: being the two earliest teams going and obviously a jmu south dakota state game would be pretty uh you know pretty attractive matchup yeah nationally uh, you know as opposed and not not any knock on ndsu central arkansas or whatever you get there but you know the history of jmu and south dakota state right now is pretty good so yeah. that'd be pretty cool but what's one thing you're thankful for, Rob, outside of Jamio, oh, or or at least outside of you know football related things? I guess uh, I I mean we we would both say just our the fact we're still doing this.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was just like I mean I can obviously talk about my family totally. Yeah, come yeah, home. yeah, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. We're coming up on ten years of this, and yep. thank goodness the podcast came along because the blog was getting a bit... it's getting a bit <laughs> difficult to keep up with fresh content to to kind of develop that muscle and keep it keep it in shape, but. I'm just really appreciative of everybody who puts up with us, yeah, whether that means following us on Twitter or chiming in on Facebook or listening to the podcasts, reading the blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we can state enough how much we appreciate it. We did yeah. this just for fun i, I would do yeah. this, if it was just me and you, nobody listening. yeah, um I really enjoy it that much, but it's so fun for me when we're like in Frisco, and people tap us on the shoulder and you know, buy us a beer or say thanks. Yep. Or like, you got to be kidding me. Like, let us buy you beers for putting up yeah, yeah. For all these years. Or, <laughs> yeah. or like, I, I meant, I don't want to throw out any names or anything, but I remember we met people in Frisco and the guys came up and bought us beers, had a great conversation, and then uh-huh. run into him and his wife and kids at a home game next year and just kind of chatting about like, Oh, so, yeah. so good to see you again. As if you're catching up with an old friend, um, uh-huh. those funny connections. Um, I mean, we could name names, but making yeah. friends with guys like Partlow or, or Zach yeah. or guys who were, Years younger than those, totally different generation, who I legitimately consider friends now, and you know, I'll text with during games or, or Dom Paul. I mean, some of the guys d- who are older than us. Yeah, generations older than us. Absolutely, right? it's, like awesome. it's neat. Like, you know? like we'll go to you know? games and we can tailgate or walk around the crowd, and we're hanging out with people who are graduated maybe four or five years ago, and people who graduated fifteen years before us. And yeah, that's a really special thing that I didn't even know was possible. Um, and now we're right at the center of it. You know, it's it's real. We have JMU friendships that span 40 years yeah I mean that's that's just I that's pretty awesome I I just marvel at that and yeah I, I I'm thankful for it every day
0: yeah that I that's well said Rob I could not agree more so I think that everybody enjoy your Thanksgiving um hopefully you have a lot of things to be thankful for as well uh we're thankful for this community for our JMU friends and our families and um I don't know Rob hopefully we will have fun everybody i think it's a noon game this week did i see the uh holy cross at monmouth, monmouth holy cross. first game out of the gate yeah so that's on espn 3 so not even the pay subscription i think so espn 3 not espn plus so a lot of people if you get a chance on saturday um tune into a little there.
1: scouting and then yeah then give us all the inside scouting. skinny
0: we'll have your yeah guessers. see how good monmouth really is and um who knows we may even have another guest on next week but thank you everybody uh have a great thanksgiving and rob i will talk to you next week
1: yeah thanksgiving everybody
0: all right go dukes